0: Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith.
1: When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked one another, "Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb?" But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, of whom he had driven seven demons. She went to tell those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it.
0: He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Can you even imagine what the women must have felt and thought? You know when something exhilarating happens and your face gets flushed, your heart beats in your chest, and your fingertips feel tingly? Is that how they felt? He is risen. Jesus died, rose again, and is living, I-N-G, ongoing living. He is living, and we can have a relationship with him because he surrendered his entire self. I am so, so grateful to have with me today, writer, teacher, and quote, retired Lutheran pastor, Tom Parrish. Welcome, Tom.
2: It's good to be here with you, Angela. This is fun.
0: Yeah, I'm it's excited. great work. I'm excited for this conversation. So yesterday we were, you know, leaning into to Saturday, and I'd like to talk just a little bit about already and not yet. There's a tension that we're dwelling in.
2: Exactly. And Friday, good Friday and Saturday are the darkest two days in the history of the universe. Because from a human point of view, Jesus had lost. Mm -hmm. Even the disciples, they were stunned. They thought, it's all over. This isn't working out. And yet, Jesus went to that grave knowing he would rise from the dead. And the angels knew it, and God the Father knew it. And when I live in this world, and I see all the pain, sorrow, and uh, things that go on in people's lives, what I want to remind them of is that this is a dark period for you right now, but there is light, mm. big light at the end of the tunnel, and his name is Jesus, and he's coming back for you.
0: Yeah, one of the things when I think of Saturday, when I think of Jesus dying, and we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded, that the the victory that Satan thought he had yes. over them, and the way that he and his legions probably celebrated, and it reminds me a little bit of, I think it's in Sleeping Beauty, the the witch has her minions and I think they're pigs and they're celebrating and they're dancing around in a fire and you can see their reflections or their shadows back on yeah. the wall. Whenever I think of the victory that Satan thought he had on Saturday, that's kind of what I see is that kind of celebration.
2: You're absolutely right. And this is what I deal with as a pastor in counseling and working with people. And I've worked with people from all spheres, people that were atheists, people that are coming out of witchcraft, people that are involved in the occult, as well as Christians. And Most people can't see, Angela, beyond the darkness that's around them at the moment. They only see the problem. And part of my goal, and I think the part of every Christian's goal, is to help people see beyond that to the truth because it's kind of like being locked up uh, on a desert in the middle of the day in a house that has no windows. You think it's dark when there is nothing but light all around you. And our goal is to help people actually open the door, let Mm. Jesus open that door for them, and step out into light. And when they do that, it is amazing. How it changes people's lives.
0: I, I mean, I can't imagine the change in emotion when those women came to the tomb and he wasn't there. To thi- I mean, they they came with the spices to prepare his body, to prepare him for burial, and to find out that he wasn't there. I can't. I, I mean, it, it makes me think of like your finger. You know, when you, when something really exhilarating happens and your fingertips tingle. Yep. That and your the blood rushes from your face and you feel a little lightheaded. Like I, that had to be how they felt, that, at least that's how I imagine they felt.
2: I think it was one of the most overwhelming moments in the history of the universe because here they are. The tomb's empty. You've got angels saying, he's risen.
0: Angels, first of all, talking to you. Amazing,
2: <laughs> you know, he's risen from the dead. And even Mary Magdalene thinking Jesus is the gardener uh, mm-hmm. until he calls out her name. It's interesting because Jesus brought the women first. And they took the message out, and it wasn't until they came back and told the apostles that Peter and, and John and others ran to the tomb to see if it was all true. So what it tells me is the Lord is not a respecter of people, no male or female. What he is a respecter of is the truth. And whoever is willing to look at the truth, and that includes your listeners, if you're willing to look at the truth in God's Word and in the Lord Jesus, you can be free, and you can have the same exhilarating experience and the goose bumps on your fingers and in mm-hmm. your arms like they did at the tomb.
0: You know, one of the things that we talked about in our study this week is in Isaiah about the Lord being the Lord of the nations. And and the the thing that made the difference wasn't the nationality of the person or the nation from where they came. It was whether or not they were willing to follow him, whether or not they were able or, or willing to be obedient
2: to him. Exactly. And that's the the same issue today. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. We come from different uh, heritages and races. We grew up with uh, pain and some, a lot of pain. But I have found that it doesn't matter what you come from. If you will finally really get serious with Jesus and stand before him and cry out, his healing power is incredible. And I've seen people set free from all kinds of darkness, from all kinds of abuse, from all kinds of pain. I'll tell you a quick story. I had a woman come to me many years ago. She said, Pastor, I have a cousin who's dying. And he molested me as a child. He was about 10 years older. He's never repented of it. He's never taken responsibility. It has ruined my life. So we prayed together over a period of time. And then she said, I just heard he's in the hospital and he's going to die. I don't know why I feel like I should go see him. I said, great. What are you going to do? She goes, I don't have a clue. And I said, you need to go and share what Jesus has done for you. Because she was receiving healing. She went to the hospital. Bless her heart. She actually confronted him. And he admitted what he had done, but she led him to Jesus on his deathbed. Mm. The man who had molested her, she led him to faith, and he died literally in her arms. And from that moment on, she was a free woman like I've never seen before. That's the power of the of Easter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk a little bit about the spiritual component of that, too. I mean, we touched a little bit on the way that Satan and his legion may, legions may have celebrated on Saturday, but talk a little bit about the, the spiritual power, the spiritual difference that Jesus' Jesus's resurrection makes.
2: It makes this difference, that where there was no hope before Jesus rose from the dead for people, they didn't know if they're going to heaven or not. I work with a lot of other, other religions. Actually, they have no hope. They don't know if their sins are forgiven. They don't know if they have eternal life. They don't know what's going and to no happen assurance. in the future. Okay. You know, they're, they're, just, they're just hoping it all works out well. What I can bring to them, what you can bring to them, what your listeners can bring is the truth of Jesus. And he says, you can know for sure. You know, the moment you believe you pass from death to life, that's the spiritual component. It takes us out of this world's grief and the tragedy of this world and says, wait a minute, there's a lot more to this world. One of the privileges I've had, I've been with about 55 people at the moment they die. I've literally held their hands, looked into their eyes, talked to them. And I can tell you that for the believers— Even if they're in a coma, that last few minutes, there's a moment of peace that comes over that room. There's a sense of joy. I've had people in comas literally smile. Mm. I've had people come out of comas with their eyes sparkling and say to me, Pastor, Jesus is here. And I'm, well, what's he saying to you? Soon, very soon, or he's taking me by the hand. With the unbelievers, I try to share the gospel with them because they're terrified. And I've seen people even on their deathbed come to faith in Jesus and die well. The spiritual part is what resurrects us from the dead, because we're already dead until we run into Jesus, who has permanently risen from the dead and gives that to us by faith.
0: What has been, as a pastor, because you've been a pastor for many years, what has, I'm sure you've given many Easter sermons, what has been your favorite kind of thing to focus on with Easter?
2: Easter didn't happen by accident. It wasn't an afterthought. During all the sin that went on in the world after Adam and Eve, no angel ever ran into the throne room of God and said, guess what? He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what to do. And the Bible says from the foundations of the universe, he had already planned for our redemption. And that's exactly what Easter is about. And so what I try to reassure people is, look, it doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how you've been hurt. The question you have today is, do you want to be healed? Do you want a new life? Do you want a purpose? And you can have that in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not somebody that died 2,000 years ago and rose and now is in heaven and gone. He's here. He says, I'm right here with you. And the moment you cry out to him, he will touch you and change your life. And I'm a Lutheran pastor, but I have called a lot of people literally to altar calls and call people to faith because I know there needs to be a response. People need to respond in some way and i've always been astounded at the many many people that come forward to receive jesus to repent of their sin to renew their life to him it is easter's fun for me it's a great experience
0: yeah and so in 1993 i actually grew up in the lutheran church and I, and i and i didn't i didn't quite get it i had the underst- the way that i had understood it is that he came he died he rose again and he left like right. you said i didn't understand the ing the ongoing the living and i was with my sister who was in the air force we were out in on an air force base and the chaplain said that jesus is alive he's living and everything wow. fell into place for me and yeah. i and i and i understood and i got it i got that that he's not far away that he's here and that we can have a personal relationship with him yep and then it was a few weeks later that i understood that then i need to die to myself and live for him which then it took me a while to realize that's a daily thing I need to do. (laughs) It wasn't just a one and done. Easter is always really special for me because of that, because of that living, ongoing, that he rose and is living still.
2: And it's a wonderful uh, celebration every year in the spring that reminds us that new life is real and that life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for anybody who's listening, no matter what you've gone through If you will simply cry out to Jesus, he will touch you and he will change your life. And it's an exciting thing to see. So I'm very thankful I've had this role for a long time and get to do this.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything else about Easter that you want to make sure that we talk about?
2: Well, the same Jesus who rose from the dead is coming again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had somebody say the other day, you know, I really hope I live until the rapture. And I said, well, I hope you do too. But even if you don't, you're still going to be with Jesus when he comes again. You're going to be with all the angels. So rejoice, because whether it is 10 years from now or 1,000 years from now, doesn't matter for you and I. It's only for long as we're here, and when we die, we immediately go into the presence of Jesus and be with him forever. And that's the most exciting thing I can tell people, that death doesn't end our life. We simply pass from this life to the life to come.
0: Yeah, that makes me think of two things. It makes me think of people who don't yet know him and that they can know him. And if you want to know Jesus, if you want to find out more about who Jesus is, you can text the word faith to 41224 and you're, you'll get some great resources that will tell you a little bit more about who Jesus is. We'll walk you through that process. And then the other thing is, is that we've been having conversations around here at Faith Radio about thinking about Jesus coming back and I having that feeling of who, who is there a person that comes to mind that you think, if he came back right now, I don't know where they are.
2: I've got several people like that, and I pray for them every day. There's there is a couple I've been praying for, honestly, for 45 years. I went to school with them. I love them dearly. They don't believe in anything, and they've had a lot of tragedy. And so, yeah, I pray for them all the time. And my wife said to me, when are you going to stop praying? And I said, when I quit breathing, mm. because yeah. Jesus can work miracles even at the last moment.
0: Mm-hmm. And prayer is so important.
2: It's powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for taking time and talking about the greatest day in history.
2: Nothing better, and I'm glad to be here. God bless you, Angela.
0: And now I'm going to have a short conversation with Christina Winger. She is audience engagement for our sister station, KTIS. And as you may have heard me talk about on the podcast before, here at Northwestern Media, which Faith Radio is a part of, every Monday morning we get together and do devotionals. And this last Monday, Christina did our devotional and it was on something that I had never thought of. So I invited her to come and to share it on today, this Easter Sunday. Welcome, Christina. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I loved what you shared in your devotional. Would you share it again?
3: Yeah. So. Honestly, in the past, I've shied away from reading through a lot of parts of the Old Testament because... They're overwhelming. They are overwhelming. (laughs) It's a lot to take in, and sometimes there's a lot of details or Levitical law and things that we look at and think, oh, they were relevant for the Israelites back in the day and with context, but not maybe as much for us today. However, I have recently come to realize that the Old Testament is very, very relevant for today. So I was reading through the Old Testament, having a little bit of difficulty. So I reached out to a commentary and then I also ended up finding Which, some supplementary teaching online as well. About yeah. That. And commentaries can be that can feel overwhelming to crack oh, the spine of a commentary. For sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had to take I thought I could, you know, push through a couple chapters or maybe even a book, you know, in a couple weeks or it took me a lot longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot of cool things, and one thing like what I shared in my Devo are just things that I might have just read in the past, maybe a couple times, and never even thought of these things that I found through the commentary. So will you share a little bit about what it was that you discovered? Yes, of course. It was very exciting. So I was reading through Exodus, and I got to chapter 25, where they talk about the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark of the Covenant, there's a lot of detailed instruction that the Lord gives the people of Israel on constructing this t- this Ark. So the way that he has it look is there are two cherubim angels on either side. There's one at the head and one at the foot. And then in th- that space in between is called the mercy seat. And they would, when they'd sacrifice a bull, they would sprinkle some of that blood on the mercy seat. And it would signify that that God was covering their sins temporarily through the blood of this sacrificed bull. Now, what especially interested me that I learned through my commentary in this is the link that it has to the New Testament and the relevance to Jesus. So in John chapter 20, when Mary goes to the tomb, she looks in and Jesus isn't there. However, she sees two angels, and there's one angel sitting at the head and one at the foot of where Jesus would have laid. Do you see the correlation there? Yes, yes.
0: And I'd never thought about it. So when you started talking about it, I thought, I I mean, I knew what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. And if you... Those of you listening, and if you don't know exactly what it looks like, if you Google Ark of the Covenant, you can see a picture of the angels with their wings kind of pointed toward each other, kind of covering the mercy seat in between.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when Mary then looked in and she saw the two angels sitting in the empty tomb, the space in between them is where Jesus' body would have lain, bloody and broken. And that is signifying that his blood is like the sacrificial bull's blood, except it's permanent and it's covering our sins once and for all. When you first realized that correlation, I mean, what, what were your thoughts? I just was amazed at how intentional God is in everything that he does. You know, looking back at all the detail for that Ark of the Covenant back in ancient Israel, it wasn't just for aesthetic or for the look of it. God had a very specific purpose for every single part of that. And it's so cool to see how every single piece of that was fulfilled in Jesus later on. Oh, that is so good
0: so so good thank you thank you thank you for sharing this with us Christina of course
1: early in the morning on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance she ran at once to Simon Peter the other disciple the one Jesus loved gasping out of breath they took the master from the tomb we don't know where they've put him Peter and the other disciples left immediately for the tomb. They ran, neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the piece of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, and observed the linen cloth lying there and the kerchief used to cover the head, not lying with the linen clothes, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scriptures that he had risen from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she knelt, looking into the tomb, and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was a gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can take care of him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher,
0: To close our conversation today about Easter, I wanted to share something that you've heard me share little bits and pieces about. But I want to tell you about Easter in 1993 when I was 19. I was visiting my sister who was stationed in the Air Force out in Colorado Springs. And we had decided to go to the Sunrise Easter service on the side of a mountain in Colorado Springs. And as the sun was coming up, the chaplain was saying, Jesus is alive. He's living. And everything started to fall into place for me. I had understood that Jesus had lived, that he died, that he rose again, and then he went to heaven. But I had not thought about him still being alive, still living. And all of a sudden, all these things started to fall into place. I had grown up in a church tradition where I had learned a lot about God. You know, I knew the creeds, knew the prayers, but I didn't. what I didn't understand is that I could have a personal relationship with this God who I knew his name, I knew the name of his son, and now I knew that I could know them personally. It was a few weeks later that I would return to Colorado to attend a navigator retreat, and the speaker talked about the importance of dying to self And living for Christ. And that was it. That was the key that I was missing. I I knew I could have a relationship with God, but I guess I was still not sure how to do that. And so when he said that it, it was about dying to self and living for Christ, I grabbed my Bible and I went out in the mountains of Colorado, sat on a rock, read a psalm. I don't even remember what psalm it was and surrendered my life to God. It was hands down the best decision I have ever made. I've since learned that it's a a decision that I need to make every day, but so important that that day, May 15th, 1993, I made my first decision to follow Christ. Is that something that you've been wanting? Is that something that you've been wondering about? Have you been wanting to have a relationship with God, but you weren't sure how to do it? Just quiet yourself. If you have a Bible, open, up, open it up to Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, open up your phone, download the Bible app. Open up to a Psalm and read it. Just take time to sit with God and surrender your life to him. Your life will never, ever be the same. If you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, if you have questions about who he is or what this life with Christ looks like, you can text the word FAITH. 41224 and we've partnered with the Billy Graham Association and they're going to send some great resources to you but if you can feel something in you is responding to this this is something that you've been wanting to do I hope you'll make the decision to follow God today thank you for taking some of your Easter to spend some time with us he is risen he is risen indeed
1: The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.